are listening to Radio Influence. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Contender Boats. Today, I'm getting a chance to talk to my good friend, Captain C.A. Richardson. As you know, he's the host of Flats Class TV and also the uh, Flats Class University, which you can check out on Waypoint TV. How are you today, C.A.? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me aboard. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. You know, you and I have been friends uh, for many, many years now. Um, lots of long conversations that we probably could have turned into podcasts over the years. Um, but this one's going to be fun. And, and I, and I want to kind of jump in. Um, you know, there's so much, so many different directions to take a podcast with you. And, and what I want to do is I, I don't know that everybody knows the CA story. How does CA Richardson become Captain C.A. Richardson, Flats Class TV guy. And, and, and a lot of people have heard me say it before. I know you've heard me say it. I think you're the best teacher of our generation. How does all that, how does all that manifest itself? How does that all come about, C.A.? You know, it, it's like a country and western song. <laughs> it's just one of those kind of things that just, it, it just effervesced. It just happened. If you would have asked young CA at 22 years old and told him, you know, here's a look into your future. You're going to be uh, a television host and you're going to be uh, a fishing coach and you're going to be an industry spokesperson and you're going to try to lead the charge on this many conservation issues. I just said, you obviously have the wrong person. <laughs> That's right. exactly what I would have told them because I was interested in nothing at that point in my life other than listening to Leonard Skinner and Led Zeppelin <laughs> and what kick party I could be invited to. So it was not, there was never a plan. It just kind of happened and it naturally happened. I, I went to St. Petersburg Junior College where I had a communications instructor there uh, who, who was always impressed with my ability in speech class to just go up there and just rap, just talk about basically anything. I, half the stuff I was making up, but it, it, was, it was always a nice delivery and a little bit animated, and the messaging was always clean. He always told me, he goes, he goes, Hey man, there's a lot of people in this room that might be smarter than you, but you're going to make more money than all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And, uh, I just realized that at that point, it was kind of a realization that I did have a gift for communicating to others and understanding that listening and then taking what I've learned through what I call the school of hard knocks in fishing because the way you become a consummate professional fisherman is to learn from all the things you did wrong over all these years. That's why I intently listen to anyone with white or silver hair, because I know they've seen more seasons than I have. And, uh, and I want to know what they know. And then I try to take parts of what they're trying to convey to me and make it work in my world. And, 
that that's just it. Um, you know, you just you live it, and it just happens. And I I've fallen fallen into um, many advantageous situations over time. I would have, I mean, flats class the the show would have never happened if it weren't for the fishing school. The fishing school started seven years ahead of the television show. Um, and, and then the tournament part of my life, the tournament travel part of my life, and that was a launching pad in a sense, because I made all these relationships all over the, the country with not only um, brands in the business, but with professional fishermen and, and just learning techniques and fishing venues that I would have never fished before. So it helped to be kind of naturally fishy, but it really helped to have all those experiences. So just the sum of all the experiences has really made flats class and, and made my personal brand, Captain CA, what it is today. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm a mid fifties guy now and try to stay relatable to folks that are a generation below me and still stay <laughs> relatable to the guys that are 75 years old and some, <laughs> somehow I've been able to pull that off. Yeah, I think you do a really good job. Um, I, I think you do a great job on the on the teaching side of it, uh, on the, the TV side of it, uh, your charter side of it. Um, you're just very, very successful. When did you know, CA, that you were going to, you were going to stick to the artificial side of it? I mean, you're the, you know, one of the artificial gurus, you know, one of the guys that, uh, you know, that's usually what you do. You don't throw almost artificial baits, almost exclusively, except for a little bit during tarpon season. Um, you know, when did you decide that that was going to be the path that you were going to take? That was really a preference early on. Uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, there, there weren't the number of TV personalities to identify with like you have now. So, I mean, Flip Pallet didn't even come along until I was well into my 20s, you know, where you were actually seeing him on television. And, you know, for me, my heroes were guys like Jimmy Houston, Bill Dance, um, watching Bassmaster Television, uh, even <laughs> even Roland Martin, Osun. <laughs> those were yeah. the guys. Those were the guys that I grew up watching. And, and identifying with, and I would fish freshwater areas around Pinellas County, but that's not like growing up in the center of the state where you have the chain of lakes that you have in Kissimmee and, and Winter Haven and all that. So I didn't, I didn't have that kind of background. And my, my old man was a kind of a guy that liked to fish the piers and the catwalks and, and we would take a John boat out, fish the flats around the Skyway and, and things like that for trout. But he was all about throwing live bait, could care less about throwing a lure. Hmm. So because my heroes were bass fishermen, you know, at 12 and 13 and 14 years old, I was swinging bass baits in salt water and catching trout and catching redfish and catching snook. And there were times when he'd just tell me to put that damn thing down and help him <laughs> collect more, you know, mullet or, or whatever. But the more he told me that it was a waste of time, I guess 
as a boy, the more you want to make him understand, hey, I can do this. I, I am good enough to catch them. So that was kind of the, the catalyst to get me to throw artificials. So as I got into my 20s and there were local tournaments like the old Scott Brantley tournament, there were artificial divisions. And then back in the, in the 90s, there was an organization called the Saltwater Flats Fishing Association. When they'd have tournaments, I had artificial divisions. That's what I fished. And I excelled in them because I was 100% confident I was going to catch all three species with artificial. It, it wasn't that hard. And it really wasn't that impressive now because then I didn't realize how good the fishing was. The fishing <laughs> right. now is much tougher than the fishing back then. But back then they thought, oh, my God, you caught, you caught all these fish on artificials? They thought you were some type of savant. Well, looking back. <laughs> That, it wasn't really that hard. It really wasn't. It was just putting yourself in the spot where the fish were, and they were a lot easier to fool in those days. That was the days when Tarpon Key didn't have a no-motor zone around it, and neither did right. Wheaton Island. Right. You know, so things have changed um, quite a bit since then. You know, The population density of the state's different, and the estuaries have changed a lot. There's a lot more pressures on water quality and whatnot, so... Now it now it is an impressive feat when you can do it. Yeah, um, for sure. But that 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 was really why I wanted to go in that direction, and, and the fact that I felt like I was not competing. You know, as a as a younger guide when I started guiding, naturally I had to do the corporate trips and I had to do you know trips with bait, and I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. I felt like I was just like everybody else. Not that that's a bad thing. Just not what I wanted to do. I wanted to figure out how in the heck can I make a living just throwing artificials and being a professional fishing guide. And I scratched out on a piece of paper while John Oliverio had Lloyd over at Fine Line Marine putting a power pole on my boat. And this is back when we used to put the power poles on under a pole barn. Yep. I mean, way back, early power pole days, like year one and two. And uh, I... I wrote down, I was like, thinking about starting this fishing class. And the whole idea is to be able to get a few people that will come to the classes and then they'll hire me, John, to be a guide uh, and fish just artificials on those trips. And I can slowly build this thing up so that I'm not running all these bait trips. And he just looked at me in typical John Oliverio fashion, just with a blank stare and goes, so why haven't you done it yet? And he just, that's, you know, John, one, you know, one or two were, <laughs> yes. just, like, this is pretty obvious. Why haven't you done it yet? And, he, and I always asked John things because John was just the kind of guy I knew he never made a mistake. He never seemed like he made a mistake to us. He always made the right decision. He was a thinker. And when I bounced it off him and he bounced it back and it worked, now even to this day, if I have a really important decision to make, oftentimes I will call him and say, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah. that's how it all got started. It got started with those little classes and taking guys fishing, throwing artificials. And over time, it's built into basically nothing but artificial trips. And, uh, and there are times when it's tough to compete. And certain times of year when it's tough to compete with live bait guides. But a lot of these trips are teaching trips, you know, and if, if you can get someone to catch 12 or 15 fish on our officials, when typically they go out and they just struggle and they want to reach, you know, for that rod that they got a circle hook on and, and just catch a ladyfish and throw a chunk of mullet out there or, or ladyfish out there, I should say. 
um, then I've done my job. I've, I've convinced them. Yeah. Well, and I, a, I think a couple of key baits that you can, you can put on a, on a rod and these guys can catch fish. I mean, and they're going to catch fish every time they go. But I think it's a, it's, it's a, a great credit to you because I think that's hard to do. Um, I think it shows your patience as well. I'm not, I don't know that I have the patience. My ADD would be just off the chart with teaching some people, you know, and I know eventually you get your clientele to where most of the people that you're fishing are pretty good. And maybe that's the difference. Um, I just don't know if I'd have had the patience to get it to where you've gotten it. <laughs> I really don't. Um, yeah, I don't there's a lot of great. truth to what you just said. I mean, a lot of my, my clientele is repeat clientele. I've watched them get better over time and more confident over time where they know they're going to catch fish. But it uh, makes a big difference. You know, makes a big difference and throwing paddle tails and throwing baits like the mirror bean and, and the Z man Ned rig. I swear that thing catches fish better than live shrimp does. Um, it may, it makes it a little bit easier and just, and, and, and it is very rewarding to me to teach people to fish, to become better casters, to show them what they're doing. And you got to remember the pace that I'm keeping too. I'm in a polling skiff. I, I mean, we're floating over the water, making no noise. We get lots of shots that they visually see the fish. They know they're in there, and uh, and it's cool to see that anticipation level. Yeah, it does require patience. Certain certain types of fishing, especially like as you know, tarpon fishing and things like that. I mean, there's there's hours that go by that nothing happens, but when it happens, it's it's organized chaos for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. So so let's talk a little bit about, and, and this is one of the questions that I was kind of keyed in to ask you. Um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you and I both have, have fished all over the state of Florida, fished tournaments for, for many, many years. In your opinion, you know, with the population density kind of gone through the roof, like you mentioned earlier, what is what's what's your opinion of the fishery in the state of Florida? Well, I think for as many people that live in the state, there's 22 million plus now. For the number of people that live in the state, I still think it's very good. I think there are some areas that are better than others, and some some areas have had tragedy strike more than once. Uh, and I'm referring to, you know, the red tide um, phenomena that, that repeats itself more and more often now with uh, rising uh, water temperatures and, uh, and, and nitrogen runoff. And, and there's an awful lot of chemicals that are sprayed in inland waterways that make their way to the outside. And they kill a lot of grass off as well, and a lot of habitat off. And then we're inundated with the threat of hurricanes uh, and quite strong ones, it seems like, almost every summer now. You know, yeah. where we got away with it, it seemed like we were in a cycle there for about 15 years where nothing bad happened. But that's not the case anymore. I mean, we're back in the cycle where they can get us. Yeah. So it has a lot of adverse effects. And, you know, the problems that are, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> we got tons of pollen up here right now. And I'm suffering with post nasal Yeah. Pollen, um, pollen's everywhere right now, for sure. Oh, uh, it's and I live in a zone where I have like 
5,000 trees that surround me. <laughs> so if I stand outside and I'm still for too long, I can pat the pollen off my shoulders. <laughs> that's how, that's how bad it is here. <clears throat> so I try to, I try to keep a bottle of water with me so I won't be coughing from that stuff. But, um, yeah, if, if I still think it's a very viable fishery. It's still a destination fishery for people all over the world and all over the country to come and visit Florida to fish. The variety of fish that we have here, both inshore, offshore, and freshwater waterways, is second to none. I mean, Florida definitely is a unique playground for anglers. And I, I, I have a point of reference that many might not have because I've been here for 55 years. So I know what it used to look like. Now, if you moved from Cook County, Illinois, and you were a Chicago guy, and you got down here 10 years ago, you might not think things are so bad. Like, oh, yeah, I remember 10 years ago. But that's because your point of reference is shallower than mine. So it's all about who knows what, how long they've been here, um, and the experiences that you've had. If you sat Flip Pallet down and asked him, he'd probably be greatly disappointed. Because he would express, you know, the way it used to be, and and he does, and he he basically channels that thought or the way it used to be through guys like myself and Rob Fordyce and Benny Blanco, um, because he realized we don't have the number of years he's looked at it all his life, right, and. Uh, and, and when you look at his perspective, you, you see even a, a steeper drop-off. But all in all, with what we're dealing with and what we have here, this is still a beautiful place to live and recreate. And, uh, you know, the people aren't going to stop coming. They're going to keep coming here. <laughs> yeah, it's going to keep changing. I, I, that's, that's, there's no doubt. I, I, I would think in 10 more years, sort of 22 million, it likely will be like 25 or 26 million people here because the facts are there's about 950 to a thousand folks every day that move here. Now they might not be moving here right now, (laughs) but typically when things are good, 900 to 1000 people, and that's retirees. That's people looking for new opportunities and new jobs, people moving here because of the climate. Um, for various reasons, but they're moving here. I can remember when the state was dominated by Floridians, people, we all grew up here. We all went to grade school here. That's who we were. And, and now, um, you go to a, you go to a store and you'll hear someone say, yeah, these people down here, they drive like idiots. And the first thing I asked them, Mike, so where are you from? Oh, I'm from Chicago. I was like, and so are all those people on the road out there. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome people from here aren't in a big hurry to go anywhere because we never had to be yeah you've been here the whole time yeah you've been here the whole time yeah yeah it's it's just different it's just different it's again going back to point of reference you know what your reference point is versus somebody else's that's why i always have an open mind from for whoever i'm speaking with Hard to do that as you age, by the way, Mike. Your filter becomes <laughs> thinner. Well, you know it's, that it's difficult for you not I'm to not, say something. I'm not very far behind you, so we're very close to the same age. So I feel your pain. 
I feel your pain, my friend. Let's let's talk a little bit. Um, I want to make sure we mention because uh, you know my hat's off to you for all the things, all the work you do with Captains for Clean Water. Uh, Chris and Daniel do a great job of that organization. Um, you know, are, are we seeing movement? It seems to me that we're seeing some positive things happening. Um, and I just, you know, maybe you could help us with an update on that. Oh, in four years, these guys have changed policy. They have changed attitudes. They have, they have rounded up just not the anglers, but the business owners and the property uh, and landowners, everyone realizes they're in it together. That's what they've done. They've, they've created a movement. People understand that you can't operate your businesses. You can't have a value to your property. You can't have the quality of life that you expected here unless the water quality is good. Period. End of story. Doesn't have to go any farther than that. Before, it was just a bunch of pissed off fishing guides that are like, oh, things are changing. You don't understand. Well, no one listened to that group. It was a small group. But somehow, because they're so relatable, and when you talk to them and look at them, they're us. That's the difference. They're not corporate executives. There's not a lot of polish on them. They're just like us. Everyone gets it. And they have made um, friends with guys like Congressman Brian Mast and uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who's done a wonderful job for this state on environmental issues, especially the water quality issue. So those partnerships and those relationships have gone a long way. And they've gotten a lot of brands in the outdoor industry to join forces with them. But you would expect that because they have skin in the game just like anglers do. But how do you get the local beauty parlor owner to have skin in the game and restaurateur and hotelier? How do you get them in the game? Well, the only way to get them in the game is to make them understand that the water quality is not good. People will stop coming to Florida to visit and spend money. And they need those. The hospitality industry here is number one. Real estate is number two. I mean, we've got a lot of good things going on in this state. Um, No state tax. So we get a lot of retirees that want to be down here and they don't have, you know, the bad weather. And they all come here expecting to have beautiful conditions. And lots of them probably come down here, just got here a few years ago. And they look out and they're like, gosh, this is beautiful. It's awesome. They have no idea that that water was so crystal clear 20 years ago that you could read the date off a dime on the bottom but yeah. compared to what they had up there. It's beautiful. So the, again, right. we, we circle back to point of reference, but no, uh, captains for clean water in four short years, they have, they have helped um, secure $562 million for that Everglades restoration project. Um, they're starting to tackle other issues now. But you got to win that one first because that precedent there gives them the power and the clout to move on to the next project. And yeah, that's a big one there. Good, that's good to hear. I, I uh, just did, yeah, we just did a podcast here not long ago with Chris, and I've had him and Daniel on the radio shows before, and you know, just wishing them tons of success with what they're doing. You know, my hats off because obviously. 
it was something that needed to be tackled. And uh, it was a big project. I mean, you know, when it, when they first started that thing, I thought, man, you guys are you guys are taking on a huge battle here. But, um, you know, it was coming well, from a good place because it came from their heart. It was. Yeah. It was. When they started, first of all, I looked at Chris and I was like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> everyone's going to hate you. The guides are going to hate you. You're finished if you do this. Daniel's 24 years old at that point. I go, he don't know. He, he has no idea. You know better. This is going to kill you. And then he was so committed, you know, because I've known Chris a long time. Yeah. He was so too, committed. Yeah. And he started changing opinions to guys that were my age. And then after about nine months, I was like, okay, how, how can I help you guys? I mean, I can't, I don't want to sit on a board. I don't, I can't travel up and down the road to Washington, DC down 95, nor do I want to. If you need me to go to Tallahassee once in a while, I'll go. But I'd rather just be a megaphone and be a spokesperson for you guys. Just let me know how I can be effective, how I can recruit. And that's where it started. And they asked me to host that very first Restore event. And since then, um, I have become very committed to those guys. And I realize the genius of Captain Daniel Andrews at his young age and I already, you know, anyone who knows Chris Whitman, I, we all call him Whit. He's he's just he's a crazy dude. I mean, he's done some crazy things. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. If anyone's going to take on the Buffalo, it will be Chris Whitman. Chris is the guy I put my money on every time. He does not back down. He's tough. He's got some hard bark on him. I tell you what. There's not too many people I'd want to be in a fight with, but he definitely wouldn't be one of them. Yeah, yeah, no, he he's uh, he's always been that way. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's always Chris has always been that way. A great charter captain, just a great guy, you know. Um, and again, I'm I'm happy that they're they're finding success with this because somebody needed to. So you know, it, it's, well, and, it's and, and, and and think about it. I hope your audience appreciates what these two guys have done especially Chris, he gave up his entire career to do this. He's making less than half the money that he was making before less than half. That's how, that's how tough it is. Yeah. But to do something, to do something you believe in, you know I mean? It's, it's not easy to do, but it's impressive. I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, it's, I told him, I go, this is what you're going to be doing forever now, man. Yeah. Ever. This is what you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of he's kind of turns into the face of who you are. Yeah, I mean he he's a gladiator. I mean he's always been a gladiator to us that have known him. But you know, and and when you listen to those two guys speak to a crowd now or speak to policymakers, uh, <laughs> they've come a long way from a bunch of oh, yeah. dusty boots and gun holsters and, and <laughs> knots on their hips. I tell you what, I look at them, I was like. Damn, you boys cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So you and I both rolling into season 14 of our uh, mm-hmm. TV shows, which still kind of trips me out because I just feel like you've They're been doing it longer than that I. long, by the way. They're just yeah, I know. I know. I know. Every year that every <laughs> year that I, I, I do my books and I look at it and go, wow, 
we get to do this again next year. That's unbelievable. I just kind of shake my head and go, okay, if you say so, I guess we'll do another season of shows. It's a, it's a, it's a big blessing. Let me, let me ask you a couple questions, CA, just to kind of dive into your 14 seasons on TV. Is there an episode or maybe two episodes that stand out to you as just completely crazy wow moments? You know, I have, I really enjoyed shooting every episode. There's been hundreds of them now. I've really enjoyed them all. Uh, the ones that I have done with my son um, mm-hmm. stand out a lot because I, I could watch him grow up um, being on the boat with me. Uh, th- those stand out quite a bit. Fishing with Flip Pallet, uh, that and Chico Fernandez, because those are two guys that I look at and I always think to myself, these are the guys I've always wanted to be. And after spending time with them and being, you know, on 18 foot of carbon Kevlar fiberglass, rubber, stainless, aluminum material, you realize you'll never be those guys. You'll never be those guys. <laughs> right. Ever. Right. These, well, guys, these, guys, these guys are are the pioneers. Kind of humbling because, I mean, I've always looked up to them. Um, those episodes stand out a lot, fishing with those two personalities. But, you know, there's so many friendships that I've, uh, I've accrued through 14 seasons of television with particular guides where your personalities click a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. I think... Most of our fans would say that Captain Joe Gonzalez and I have some pretty comical um, and sometimes adversarial <laughs> <laughs> episodes together. Um, but but I've enjoyed them all. I mean, and I, and I learn stuff from every one of them. They, they don't have to be of legendary caliber. There's there's younger guides we fished in, in new areas. Uh, that I've learned a lot from, you know, they, they understand their game and, and keeping an open mind like that. I always say I, so many folks think that I'm this personality that, well, he's just, he's just really good at this and he knows it all and blah, blah, blah. The fact is I do not know it all. I learn every time I go. Um, if you put me in front a fish that I can see, I likely will catch them. I am a good caster that way. But other than that, I get on the boat and I'm like, wow, this is going to be brand new. This is something I've never been here before. I've never seen this stuff before. I've got a few experience that, that I can relate to this. And hopefully I'll figure it out quicker than most. Right. I, I, I go with guys like up here in Citrus County with someone like Captain Brandon Branch. And Brandon's probably 23 years old. And I look at him and I'm thinking, Man, I mean, I wish I was 23 and knew what he knew already. I'd yeah. be dangerous. Yeah. I'd be dangerous. Um, I just fished with a guy who's late 20s there in Charleston, South Carolina, Jeremy Melhoff. Uh, Jeremy, just a, a very smooth, calculated guide, understands the sight fishing game completely, understands the behavior of the fish in his fishery. And it just went as smooth as as I mean, anything, I couldn't believe how easy it was to do that show. Um, just, just have some really good experiences. Uh, one of my, 
my better friends, Captain Brian Chamberlain, that I fish with socially as much as we do an episode. It seems like every time I have a really tough, tough episode, I'm always calling Brian or Greg Peterson or somebody. I was like, hey, man, I need someone to push me around for a show. Are you doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those guys always are there for me and have my back. And, and they, and, but those guys are just good fishermen. You know, they're not household names, but when people push me to say, well, who's the best fisherman? Yeah, it's, like, it's hard not to say things like that. These guys are good. I mean, yeah. really good. I mean, some, some guys have reputations that are deserved and some of them have because they're just great promoters, but man, I mean, some of these guys that you never heard of, and I used to tell my boy this all the time when he was growing up, he was so impressed with certain NBA stars. I go, you know, there's someone better than him that's not even in the NBA, right? He's like, huh? I go, yeah. <laughs> someone that didn't get an opportunity that's better than him. I guarantee it. So it's, it's, it's kind it's kind of a, it's kind of a, 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 a point with me to when I'm with someone that I know is good, you know, really good, uh, to make sure that the other people understand that, Hey, we're fishing with someone special. But I try to make them all feel that way because you want to get everyone's best out of them. Yeah, um, that's with clients and that's with friends and that's with family. You always encourage them. Like, yep, don't worry about it. We'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is one of the neat things about the TV business, um, especially the way you and I do our shows. That we're you know usually with a specialist uh, with a, with a great guide in whatever area we're fishing. And it gives you the opportunity to, to learn. It gives you the opportunity to see so many different styles and thought processes. And, 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 you know, you know, for me, the, you know, the, the Aussie fishers and the clay Scheidlers and the, you know, uh, Brian pounds over on the space coast. Uh, you know, there's so many great ones. I fish with Troy Pruitt down the Everglades. I mean, you know, he's been fishing there since he was a kid. They know yeah. so much and they understand those estuaries so well. And for me, that's the fun part because it, it, you know, filming shows for, you know, and for a long, for 10 years, I shot 22 shows a year. You know, it, 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 it can become a job. Um, oh, but it, fishing, it, it definitely, it. yeah. And, and, but then that's what keeps it fresh for me is the opportunity to fish with these great anglers that, you know, constantly show you new things, you know, Greg Poland down in the keys. And I mean, there's just so many, um, you know, and, and that's the blessing I think for me for TV is that it just, um, it, it offers you and it sounds like it's a blessing for you and the opportunity to fish with these great anglers and, and, you know, our ability to be open-minded and constantly learn. That's what I tell people all the time is doesn't matter who you're fishing with, you know, you should, try to just be open-minded and learn what you can from them because you're never done learning in this game. You're never done learning. The fishery is always yeah. changing. The estuaries are always changing a little bit. Um, so it's good to be open-minded and always learn what you can from everybody. That's right. And you, and you just said what the only constant is in the business and that is change. Yeah, no the doubt. only con constant factor or variable is change. It's how you adapt to the change. I mean, it could be a change in wind velocity, direction, you know, changes the height of the tide, changes the speed of the tide. Um, those are all things that matter in fishing. I mean, we're trying to outthink a fish that has a brain about the size of your thumbnail. Um, <laughs> right. But these guys, 
thousands and thousands of years of evolution on his side. And he understands what to do when he feels something happen. Change in the barometer, change in moon position, change in tide velocity. Um, and it's how smart you are to be in front of that, where, yeah, where yeah. you put yourself and, and think about it. And then watch their behaviors enough. You know, me being on a polling platform, you can tell by just looking at the fish, are they negative? Are they positive? Are they looking? Are they cruising for fish, food? Um, what, what, what's going to get them to do it? And I get questions like, Oh God, he followed it all the way back to the boat. I go, you probably weren't moving it fast enough. That's the number one thing, especially if it's a snake, you got to move sure. it faster. They'll follow it all the way back. Cause they're not sure. As soon as it thinks it's trying to get away, I guarantee you, he's going to, he's going to make a hard bend for it then. And it, it's just, you know, how do you know that? Well, Cause I screwed it up about a thousand times. So I've seen this <laughs> enough times to know what the next line is. Trust me when I say this. Exactly. I'm just trying to make things very relatable. Um, I'm a storyteller when I'm on my boat and I, I relate everything to something that they would see in everyday life because that makes them think, Oh yeah, that makes sense. When I think of that (laughs) and that's, and that, and that's the gift. Well, that's the that's the gift of my good friend C. A. Richardson. Like I said, and I've said it many times, and I, I don't. It'll probably be a long time before I say it about anybody else. The best teacher in our generation, I think, your ability to deliver the information so it's relatable, I think, is fantastic. I think your must-watch TV, um, your classes, your social media, all that stuff, I think, is must-see for people. Um, tell everybody about Flats Class University on Waypoint TV. Well, we've put a couple of properties on Waypoint Television now. We've got Flats TV, which we're all familiar with, with 14 seasons of TV here. But this past year, we started Flats Class University, which is more of a YouTube-driven chapter style of teaching you stuff, uh, whether it be tarpon fishing, tackle organization, uh, uh, trout fishing, anything that you want to know. We're putting courses on there all the time, usually one a month. So you can go to Waypoint there and learn, <coughs> excuse me, and learn how to do something just from Flats Class University. It's very easy and digestible to watch. You can watch it all in a, you can watch a whole class maybe in 30 minutes. So it's fantastic. And it, it's broke up enough where if you only got a 15 minute break, you can watch some of it, watch the rest of it when you go home. And then we actually started our own Flats Class Blacklist podcast. So that's on Waypoint TV as well. So we videotape them um, and we have guests like yourself, television hosts, um, industry people and people from all walks of life from the outdoors on there. So that's the third thing that we have placed on Waypoint TV because I believe in my heart that streaming TV and online um, platforms are the wave of the outdoor industry for the future. Do not believe that the networks that we traditionally have watched through linear television will um, be able to provide what we can get off streaming TV because so many people now are watching everything through their phones, through their tablets has to be mobile. Um, you know, period of time we're going through right now here in 2020, I think there are more, there's more screen time for everybody than ever before. So why not have more for them to watch? 
Yeah. You do have work to do. You got to wait till the next Saturday when the show shows up. You got right. to do that on streaming TV. No, Watch content. it right now as it's happening relative for the period that you're in. So content content is, is key. Yeah, content is key. You want to have content and you want to have a lot of it, and you certainly do. Uh, like I said, no better teacher in the industry. Flats Class TV, Flats Class University, the uh, podcast, all the great things. Check out Captain C.A. Richardson dot com uh, for a lot of great information there as well my brother i appreciate you spending a little time with me today i've been wanting to get you here i know you're a busy guy so unfortunately we all have a little more time right now but uh that gave us the opportunity to get together and, and, and i'm grateful to spend a little time with you you've been a great friend for many years and i appreciate that very much hey i appreciate it mike i appreciate what you and the real animals team have always done for the tampa area and now everywhere and giving us an opportunity not only to be on the radio show, uh, but to now be on your podcast. This is this is great stuff. I real I really do appreciate your friendship and all the time that you make for Flash Class. Always, my friend. You're one of my favorite hosts. One of my favorite guys. You, your family, uh, Blondie, Cameron, uh, the whole Richardson clan. You know we're big fans, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. We'll get caught up. Thanks for your time on the podcast today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. My very good friend, Captain C.A. Richardson, Flats Class TV, Flats Class University. Like I said, you know, you can just hear in his delivery, just one of the best teachers um, that I've ever met, for sure. One of the best fishing instructors of our generation. So much you can learn from that guy. Really, really appreciate him spending some time with us today. The Real Animals Podcast are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Real Animals Podcast presented by Contender Boats. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.